Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. On this episode, I talked to Cody Simons about his uh, recent race at the SoCal Chino Spartan Super and Sprint Weekend. He answered a bunch of questions for me, and maybe he'll answer some of yours. Here it go. Cody Simons, a.k.a. the OCR Carpenter. What is up, brother? Not much. Just hanging out in my shop. I hear you, man. I see all your videos you post on your YouTube channel and in the uh, in your shop you got there and your tour of the shop and everything, man. That that walnut bowl that you made, man, that was that was dope. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, how long did it make, take you to make that? Uh, those little bowls straight through probably take about an hour. Oh wow. Well, still, I mean, it, it, the video, it makes, even though I know you do it, like, in fast forward, it looks like, man, I bet that took a long time. It looks like it took longer than an hour, for sure. No, it, it's it's not. I mean, if you got to glue stuff up, obviously, it's going to take a while, but it's pretty straightforward, just simple processes, you know? Because I'm industrial maintenance by trade, you know, I'm used to working with, like, metal and stuff, man. You put me with some wood, man, I just get pissed off and throw it. Wood messes up too easy for me, man. Yeah, yeah. You got to have you got to have patience to uh, make mistakes and start over. <laughs> that, that you certainly do. But the biggest thing is you learn from the mistakes. You figure out, okay, how, that messed up. If I did that way, let me try it this way. But I know how I would do. Like I, I would say, okay, I'll learn from that. I won't do that again. And then I would do it again, and it'd be even more frustrating the second time. That's kind of how I am with metal. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about heavy metal we're talking about real metal yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cody man let's back up a little bit man tell us how you know you you got into ocr and, and tell us like where you're from and everything man tell us about Oops. tell us about cody tell you about cody so i was born and raised in las vegas nevada um, oh cool where all the yep, strippers the- are at <laughs> <laughs> and the hookers <laughs> that's down on the strip there's actually more to vegas than the strip believe it or not i've never been Um, there man i need to come out there and visit yeah come on out man you got a place i'll let you let you crash on the couch but um yeah one of the rare few ones out here and um where we grew up is in the northwest part of town where it was all acre properties and horse country oh wow so yeah i mean um I've had guys, because I work construction, I'm a a union carpenter here in town, and we got a guy from Kentucky, he tells me I'm more hillbilly than he is, because that's what I grew up in, in the desert, you know, hunting lizards and and doing that sort of stuff, but um, I grew up playing baseball, um, always active in sports and everything, and then, uh, so how I got into OCR, my wife actually wanted to do an event called Badass Dash with some of her friends. I was like, yeah, go for it. You know, I'm not a runner. I hate running. Um, She loved it. And then she learned about terrain race and she was like, Oh yeah, I want you to do it with me. It'd be so fun. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. 
<laughs> she said, come on. And I was like, well, you got to ask me real nicely. And she asked me real nicely. And yeah, so she I did. Was. <laughs> exactly. And so then I was wearing tennis shoes and cotton shorts and gym, sh- you know, gym shorts and stuff like that out in Boulder City, you know, in the mud. And hell, man, I failed monkey bars. I failed a rope climb. I was like, dude, I used to do this stuff for fun. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to let that happen. And um, she asked me how I liked it. And I was like, ah, it's not too bad. And then within a week, she had all of 2016 planned out for at least one race a month. <laughs> Heck yeah. You know, most most guys would, like, dream to be married to a chick like this that, like, embraced, you know, obstacle course racing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she was a big driving force, and I actually have a very addictive personality. <laughs> and I became addicted to racing. And the biggest thing was is that I could see where I stand and you know, push myself to be better. And then the next race I could say, okay, I failed that last time. This time I progressed. Cool. Let's, let's see where I can go from there. Then I created a monster. <laughs> right. And then you created the OCR carpenter. And I mean, the first time I met you, you handed me like one of the stickers and everything. And you got your own cool little pose. Like when you do your fire jumps and everything, what mm-hmm. made you decide to kind of do that? Uh, you know, it was a big stepping out of my shell decision. I've always been introverted and kind of shy and everything. And I said to myself, I was, you know, if I'm going to I'm gonna be involved in this, I want to be involved in it. And I um, met Heather Bodie early on yeah. at a Battle Frog and um, hanging out with them at different races, her and Jay. And I got to rub shoulders with the elites and I seen their charismatic personalities. And, and then just the approachability of them that, oh, you know, these aren't you know, superstars and celebrities that you can't approach and talk to, you can actually talk to these people. And, and I don't know, man, I just decided, uh, let's make some stickers. And I had a buddy, graphic artist, and he was grateful enough to take one of my fire jump pictures and make it, make it that logo and turned out really cool. And so now that's kind of my business card, if you will, I hand those out to anybody that, you know, says anything to me or I, as my Instagram and my YouTube on the back, and the rest of the history, I guess. Yeah, I still got mine, man. I've got all these cool stickers, and I'm just waiting for something cool that I'm going to put them all on, and I, I hadn't decided. I've got, like, the shelf that's in my kitchen that I put, like, all the Spartan stickers, you know, they give you when you walk out. They're pretty much, they're not good for anything that has to yeah. do with getting wet because they just fall <laughs> off, so... Every time I complete a race, I'll put one of the stickers like down this shelf I've got, and it's about full or some. I'm running out of stickers of one race. I forget which one it is. I think I'm running out of the B stickers because they didn't even hand any out in Florida. Yeah, I stopped taking them. I had too many stickers. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just started wasting them, really, just putting them up anywhere and everywhere. I remember one time we went on a trip. I think we went to the first, our first New Jersey Ultra Beast, and this guy just brought his whole handful of stickers with us. And every time we'd go to like a gas station or a McDonald's, he'd hand us one and be like, "Okay, you got to put this somewhere inside the gas station or inside the McDonald's." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I love stickers, and I've always, even when I was a kid, it's like oh, I got to put it on something that's gonna last. I don't want to waste it. It's cool, you know. Yeah, that's me, man. So yeah, if you watch that video in my shop, I got these big huge i'm looking at it right now eight foot by eight foot cabinet structure and i decided you know what all my cool stickers i'm putting it on there and each door now has a theme that's going to be you know going and my safe is already full so that's that's where all the stickers are going so if anyone's listening wants to send me stickers hey yeah. i'll put them up 
Hook them up. So, man, that's pretty cool. So, uh, this past weekend, you ran in the uh, Chino uh, Super and Sprint weekend, man. How'd that go? It went pretty good. Um, I took 25th in the age group. I run 30 to 34 now. Uh, took 25th Saturday and 14th Sunday. Awesome. Which for me, starting out a year, that's pretty good for me because I know I'm not the fastest. I watched those. You know, I forget whose live feed it was. It might have been Overcome and Run's live feed, but man, it looked like they had some huge elite and age group heats there. I mean, I'm sure California, you know, out there in California, they always have big heats too. Yeah. They probably always sell out there. Yeah, there's a good number of people there. We were actually, us, Heather and I were talking, it was kind of surprising to see some of the names that came out for, in reality, what's not even a, um, like a series race. It's just the first race of the year. Yeah. You know, and, and the way they have the, the series set up for qualifications and stuff like that, you figured they'd be focusing on those key races. But no, there was a bunch of people out just for a, Lovely weekend in Chino, California. Yeah, I wish I could get a race in before the Jack the Jacksonville race is going to be the first one I go to, and it's a series race. I'd love to do one before that, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. There isn't any others that are close by. That's pretty much the first one that's close. So it's going to be over here. So, from like coming into the parking lot, what what has changed different, like from 2018 to 2019? Is there a lot of differences? Um, yes and no. Uh, so for the age groups and elites, you wear red headbands now. Yay! <laughs> yeah, you don't have, uh, you don't have the wristbands anymore. So if you're someone like me, who I always tuck my timing chip and my, you know, yep. back check bag and all that under there to protect it, um, bring one with you because you do not get one there. And something um, that I've, I've been doing for the past couple of years and I'm pretty sure they give these out to to a lot of the Ironman races. Is it's it's pretty much it's a Velcro wristband, and I mean it's a cheap one. Sometimes you can actually find them like in a uh, a wire management for like a TV or something to wrap up the cords. Yeah. yeah. But you, you take it's like a Velcro, and it's got a piece of plastic buckle on one end. So you run the Velcro through that buckle, and it folds back on itself. Man, it's okay. it's super stronger than that yellow thing they give you. Now, I just don't trust that. I've seen too many chips, you know, during a race laying on the ground. So yeah. I've I've been wearing one of those Velcro bands for the past couple of years, and they work great. And you usually can find them off of eBay dirt cheap too. Oh, yeah. I have to look into that. Yeah, I always use the yellow band, and then like I said, I just tuck it in underneath my uh, that sweatband that they gave you. But now that you don't got that, that's pretty, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I'd, and I did, and I would tuck it under that sweatband too. Uh, sometimes I would in a race where like if that sweatband would get just super muddy and wet, I'll always mm-hmm. kind of slide it up to my elbow because a lot of times when you try to shake your hands out when that wristband is wet it'll just sling water onto your hand even more so yeah <laughs> i hate that when i'm trying to get my hands <laughs> kind of dry and then i sling that sweat that it just soaks out of that sweat band back into my hand i'm like damn it yeah <laughs> So did they did they charge for parking at this race or was it included in the fees like they said that it was going to be this year? Yeah, parking charge was included in the fee, bag check was included in the fee, and you get a awesome merch discount where if you spend thirty dollars you get five dollars off. I think it's fifty dollars you get ten dollars off, and a hundred dollars you get twenty dollars off or something like that. It, 
Oh, that's pretty cool. They give you a little card in the packet, so. Well, that's yeah, better than the you know the five dollar cards they usually hand out. You know. Well, they they had those too at the uh, the bag check. I saw I saw a bundle of those. I didn't get one, but right on each of them it does say you know you can't combine this. Of course. Whatever, so. Of course. Just, just buy all your stuff individually and use as many coupons as you want. <laughs> yeah, oh, I've, I've still got some of those things. I I would always pick one up and save it because you never know when you see that one venue shirt. It's like, oh, I gotta have it. <laughs> I try to refrain from that because I have so many Spartan shirts now. As it is. Oh man, you, you ain't kidding. I I had so many. I I did a purge not too long ago of finisher shirts and venue shirts, and I had so many. It's all right. Got to cut back and and withhold myself from buying every venue shirt that I went to last year because went to a lot. So. Yeah. Well, didn't you get like a 14x trifecta last year? Uh, 12. 12? Oh, it was just yeah. 12. <laughs> was I mean, just 12. walking around like Flavor Flav with that metal on your chest and all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did 12 last year. That was that was a big year, and this year is going to be nowhere near that. So. Yeah, I remember coming up the death march at Killington on my second lap of my ultra, and you were standing up there, and you had that big-ass thing around your neck. I don't know if that was your 12 one, but it was a like 10 or something at that point. Yeah, that Killington would have been, no, Killington would have been eight. Eight? It would have been eight, yep. It was still big enough to catch my eye when I was <laughs> delusional coming up the, that steep-ass grade. For the yeah, Megan and I wanted to go hang out there and cheer people on. That was my first time at Killington, and unless they make it a very important series race at some point down the line, it's probably my last time. Yeah. Not that it's hard. I mean, I loved it. I loved the death march, to be honest with that you. That was an I expensive just, trip, I imagine. It was a very expensive trip. So. We flew into Boston from Atlanta, and it really was very affordable on the flight, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so get what I did, because I don't know the next time I'll be in the New England area. I flew into the New Hampshire airport there, right? and I got in, it would have been Thursday at like midnight, and I drove to the very first rest stop when you cross the border into Maine. Woke up and then drove all the way through Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, all those New England states just so I could say I've been to them <laughs> on my way to Vermont. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Hey, it makes for a cool story and a cool road trip, though. Yeah, yeah. We, we kind of did that when we drove up, because we drove to our first Ultra, and I definitely do not recommend that at all, because we were stove up on the way back to new jersey and we did like you did we would kind of go like 30 miles out of the way you know just to hit another state yep we actually went to that tri-state rock that's pretty much if you didn't know it existed you wouldn't find it (laughs) (laughs) i mean it looked like people just dump trash around it but there's like a, a state rock and it's like under this bridge and you walk through this graveyard to get through it and i'm not even joking and it's just this big square rock and it says New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania on it, and it shows state lines crossing. There you go. It's like four <laughs> corners here. My mom went to there, and she said it's like nothing, like just in the middle of nowhere, and you go there, and it's four lines on the ground, and people are taking pictures, and they charge you to park, and they charge you to go in. <laughs> but what was crazy is we walked through this graveyard, and it was like an old kind of like historical graveyard, I guess. It had like some you know tomb mausoleum things, whatever you call them. 
And uh, so the groundskeeper was like edging or something. He's like, if y'all are looking for the eagle, it's it's up in that tree right over there. And we were like, we didn't even know there was an eagle. And <laughs> apparently there's an eagle that was there that had a nest. And you could like go online and like they had a camera on it or something. Oh, yeah. They do that up in Washington State, too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So we got, we got to see an eagle and the Tri-State Rock. Cool. Yeah. So, um... So how did the uh, so how did the race go, man? With the new obstacles and everything, tell us about it. All right, so the new obstacle is Beater. Um, I keep wanting to call it Blender, but it's Beater. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. It's got some pluses and minuses, in my opinions. Like, um, so if you're not familiar with it, think of I believe it's five bars around a central bar, so they rotate, and then so you got that set up. And then up above it, on the other side, is like a monkey bar. And right. then you got another set of beater, and then another monkey bar, and another beater. And I believe that was it. So and three turnstiles, and otherwise. Yeah, three turnstiles and two or three solid bars. I was going to walk back out there, but it was three miles away from the festival area, and I wasn't going to do that again. Yeah. But um, you thought they'd had that one in the venue area for the open house. Yeah, that was the only that was they didn't have it for the open house. That's why nobody really had videos of it until the open wave of the following day. Yeah, I know? saw that. But um, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's it's the more challenging of the new obstacles, in my opinion, because um, you got to deal with that force of the swing down and then back up. Right. So it's that at the bottom, you're kind of all your weights going down. So that's where I I would assume, and I saw a lot of people falling off, is because you get that sudden weight increase with gravity you know what i mean um one thing i don't like about it is it spans what would initially be like two lanes well so two if somebody jumps on it behind you or with you you could potentially get knocked off because they stop your momentum or whatever have you um so that one was that one's pretty cool it's got a lot of potential to it now how did you now when you went across it did you go kind of like straight forward like arm to arm or did you swing an arm or did you go sideways so i pretty much approached it straight forward if you've ever done a tough mutter with funky monkey how you got the rings um i i jumped on it and i just because i had that experience i knew how to transfer my body weight right and your momentum will swing you right up to the monkey bar and then I got both hands on the monkey bar, reached out with my left hand, used my momentum to swing over to the next one, and did that whole thing. And, yeah, it went pretty simple for me, to be honest with you. Right. I know I've seen Ryan Kent. He did it, and he went sideways, kind of like you go. a lot of people do the monkey bars when they're wet. Mm-hmm. I, I sent him a message, and I was like, how would that work out? And he's like... It worked pretty good, but you had to commit to the reach, and I imagine so, because it looks like that bar that's after the, you know, the turnstile is kind of far away. It is. It's far away, and it would be at, like, the top of the turnstile, so you got to go, like, down and then back up. So you do have to commit to the reach. Um, it's one of those I could see where after a few races, like, for example, Twister, nobody thought about doing it backwards until I believe it was VJ did it backwards, and now right. everyone's doing it backwards. Yeah. So it, it's a little feeling out period, and I think they kind of left it out of the open house just to maybe be a game changer type yeah. obstacle. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I, the only thing that worries me about it is it being a bottleneck, because like you said, you know, if yes, somebody jumps on behind it, 
you know, right behind you and you're on there, they obviously, you know, are going to doom you and them at the same time. Cause I don't see, unless you get jump on at unison and you're using your, your momentum to swing together, you know, as a team effort, but mm-hmm. I don't yeah, think that's going to work. You know? They did have one section of it when I went through that nobody was using that had those grips on it. Yeah. I so saw, there's a potential. Yeah, there's a potential, like I said, even with, I've told some people, even with Twister, that if you can get proficient with using grips and no grips, at, you know. I always use those black well. grips. Huh? Yeah. Especially it, if well, it's wet. I think you get better grip on those black grips if it's wet on Twister, yeah, to me. I agree with you on that. And, it, and it's like you said, nobody's near them. Yep. Nobody wants to mess with them, and it saves your calluses. Yeah, and then you can potentially, like on beater, I had to think, call it blender, beater, uh, if it's a bottleneck and no one's on there, you could potentially make up a lot of spots by just, instead of just saying, oh, it's grips, I don't want to use them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder if it's actually harder, though. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to play around on it. Because you got to think, that bar is pretty thick anyway, so you add that pad into it, that's a pretty thick bar. It's a little different than twisters. It is. It is. Hmm. So tell. Then, so yeah, then um, from beater you went over and you just had it was just pipes. Just think culvert pipe, black culvert pipe, downhill as well. Yeah, but were those were they like for real plastic culverts? Mm-hmm. It kind of looked like vent tubing to me. No, it was it was plastic culverts. Oh, okay. No vents in it. Um, it wasn't the deep. Now we're talking industry style. It, it wasn't those deep, rigid culverts, you know? Yeah. It was just the shallowy one. The oh, shallow okay. Ones. So, potentially, if it was wet, and the hill that they had it on, it could have been a slide. But it was dry. That would have been cool. It wasn't that great. Yeah, so something like that, in my opinion, I see them adding water to that at some point. Whether you got to go out of water and into it, maybe even uphill, I don't know. But it was kind of at that location was kind of just a low crawl to be honest with you yeah hmm. but i can see them adding adding water or an uphill aspect to it very quickly yeah they could put snakes in there or something <laughs> <laughs> i mean essentially you know that's just like it's another form of a hurdle you know it's it's not an obstacle that's it's just an obstacle to slow you down you know and it's going to be the people that can get through it you know transition through an obstacle faster is where you're going to be stronger at it you know what i mean they're just throwing more stuff out there and they can still technically say oh it's a new obstacle mm-hmm. absolutely that's exactly what i think i want to say jason dupree from ocr talk uh we were talking in some messages and he said that they've actually had those at uh austin i think he said they had those before yeah i know terrain has one and uh yep they do it where you got to either go uphill or into the water and then like tough mudder, you come out of those, you go uphill out of it and drop into water. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of variations to it that's out there. Savage race has it to where it's like a seesaw. So you crawl into it and then when you get to the halfway point, it like breaks and then you're going downhill on it. So that would be interesting being inside of the, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it, and it, like you said, if it was wet on the inside, it would have been like a cool slide. But you probably wouldn't have been able to crawl up it going uphill for the first part yeah. of it. <laughs> have, you, have you ever done a Savage before? I 
have not. I've always wanted to, but they're East Coast, and I don't get back there very often. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a fun race. I would. I mean, I've, I've only done one, but judging by what I've seen on, like, on Facebook and where I've talked to people, it's more of like you go to their race to do their obstacles. It's not like we put this race at a kick-ass venue on the side of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the closest one to me would be in Texas. Whenever they had one in Texas. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking they had one in Texas. But hey, you know, if if they're playing it smart and taking a little bit at a time and it makes them last longer, more power to them, you know. They released all this. Tough Mudder released that information today that they're not going to be having payout for the competitive heats. Oh, yeah, my phone's been blowing up with that. Oh, I know, man. And, and you know, that's a that's a for sure bummer. You know, and it's not just for, you know, the, the Ryan Atkinsons and the people that are in this and that's their only pay. And, but you got to think when a company, especially OCR company, mm-hmm. makes a statement like that, I'm not going to say it doesn't tarnish them, but it's – it's bad publicity on the brand because, you know, of what happened to Battle Frog, you know, and what Terrain's been doing here lately. Yep. You know, it, it kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know if I explained that right, but I mean, it, I'm, it just kind of tarnishes the brand. And I, I mean, I've never done a Tough mutter, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I mean, it just kind of puts like a, a black eye on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes you feel like maybe they're not the most well-managed company out there, and so if they're not managed in the front office, how well is their obstacles? And you think of, like, Warrior Dash and that tragedy that happened there. It, it, it does put a black eye and a tarnish on it. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like you said, you know, it almost kind of like you're scared to put faith in them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like... And- we put our bodies on the line all the time. I mean, unfortunately, there was a tragedy in uh, Chino this last weekend. A gentleman had some sort of medical issue, whether it was a heart attack or a stroke, and he ended up losing his life out there. I mean, see, it happens and it sucks, but... I didn't see anything about that on uh, yeah. online until uh, Megan, the OCR trainer, she had something in one of posts she posted today. Yeah. So, man, that's... That's bad, but I mean, it could have happened at a marathon. It could have happened at a five k. I mean, so. yep. It, I mean, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that the race is what triggered it. It probably could have just been, or the cause of it. It could have probably just been, you know, the trigger or something. You know, you never know what happens. I mean, it happened in Pala a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um. Somebody had an episode, and he ended up passing three days later. But I mean, it sucks. But yeah. You know, condolences to their families. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you never want to hear somebody getting traumatically hurt or somebody, you know, even losing their life in an OCR event. But, you know, I mean, I get, I mean I'm mean, i the type of person where, you know, when it's your time to go, I, th- I think it's your time to go. And I'd rather be I'd rather been in the middle of a race and, and then being, you know, sitting at my desk at work or at work, you know. I do not want to be one of those people that dies at work. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, with, with my trade, it's a I'm I'm walking around death every day, so it's always on the back of your mind. But yeah, when it's your time, it's your time. So. 
So you you did say you know you're a union carpenter. So what's mainly like what kind of carpenter work are you doing? Are you like building or are you like making cabinets? So I'm I'm a finished carpenter, millwork, however you want to put it. So I do a lot of work and a bulk of my work in the casinos. Oh wow. And so I've done some really cool, I mean, I've been into penthouses at the Cosmopolitan. I've been in, you know, executive offices. I've even been in the Bellagio's vault. So I've go to some no cool way. places. Yeah. And, uh, it's getting more and more where it's a lot of just install our shops, build it, and then they send it out and then we install it. And you know how it goes. Sometimes you got to do some massaging and some fabbing to oh, make yeah. something fit just right and, and all that. But um, it's really cool. Some of my most popular stuff. If you've ever been anyone out there, if you've been to the, um, Bellagio, you got the gardens, um, the little main concierge desk, the front desk, all that I've built and installed, um, cosmopolitan. I did a Starbucks there, which is a ton of tongue and groove woodwork in there. And it's right on the strip. So it's probably the most popular Starbucks in the world now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I did work in there. Last year, what allowed me to travel so much is um, the Cosmopolitan remodeled all their rooms, and I literally went into every single one of those rooms and did something, you know, my portion of the job in there, so it was pretty steady and cool. Um, That's pretty cool, man. You should take a picture of that Starbucks and be like, I made that shit. Oh, I have pictures. I'll, I'll have to put some, throw some up on Instagram, because they brought in a guy who does this, he usually does it in abandoned buildings, it's this art form, I don't know the name of it, but where it's abstract shapes and colors. And if you stand in a specific spot, it makes a shape. And in this case, it's a circle. Right. And so they transferred it. This is the cool part is they transferred it onto the wall. And I had to route in to my wood in almost freehand, but in a single pass. Couldn't mess it up. You know, I had to route in his lines. And it's not like it's just, mm. you know, you think of a circle. It's circle, but... Now, take that circle and turn it sideways and expand it out onto four different walls. It's pretty cool stuff that I get to do, man. It's it's really rewarding. I love it. Man, that sounds pretty difficult, too, and you probably only have one chance to get it right. <laughs> yeah. <I've, laughs> there's, a, there's another story that I got where they brought these panels in, and our cabinet, we had to cut this opening for a TV cabinet in there. And these are, they're like, no, don't mess it up because it's one of a kind. It's... You, if you if you've seen on Instagram and stuff, it's like this resin art type stuff, fluid art. Yeah, it's a one of a kind, book matched, came from Italy, hundred thousand dollars, yada yada yada. And I have to cut a hole in it, and not just a little hole, a big hole, and it has to fit perfectly in this space. Oh crap! So you you know it's one of those where you do all your layout, you check your numbers four or five times, and right before I turn the saw on, you look at the partner and it's just like. Did I get this right? Well, here goes nothing. <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah. And my heart's beating 100,000 miles an hour until that piece goes into place, and it fits, and it's right on the money. And then you're just like, okay, I can breathe now. No yeah. more heart attack. I knew exactly what I was doing the whole time, and I had no doubts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing is when the owners are there, and they're looking at you, and you're just like, just could you guys go away for a minute? You know, <laughs> man, I don't care how many times I've done something. If somebody's looking over my shoulder when I'm trying to do it, I just want to say, man, go away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're not helping my steady hand. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> well, all right, man, we segued away from it, but so <laughs> I, I, 
Tell us about those other obstacles that were there. It was only a couple more, wasn't there? Yep, there's two more. So there, the name of it literally they said was the eight foot box, and it's pretty much that. It's a eight foot tall box. It has ropes hanging down from it. Um, you could, I guess, jump up and grab it like an eight foot wall and pull yourself up. The only problem is there's not really a lip at the top. Like so in a normal wall, flat. you can get your hand around it. Yeah, it was flat. It's a flat deck up there. Yeah. Um, with a metal kind of rounded transition there. So I used the rope and it worked out pretty good. You can kind of almost slip wall it, you know, lean back and pull yourself on the rope. And I saw some people there, you know, getting to a point and they're throwing their leg up and over. And yeah, it it could potentially have been dangerous, but they had the pad crash pads there. But I just found it easier because there's a horizontal bar that the ropes are attached to. That's maybe a foot to a foot and a half back from the ledge. Yeah. You can get up there and grab that, hold uh the bar there the volunteers are saying that was possible they have some vertical bars that you were not allowed to grab right but i just pulled myself up till i got to the point and then just you know the upper body and grabbed onto that post and then pulled myself over hmm. and then just walked down the backside. um i said it to anybody i talked to there and i'll say it here i guarantee you at some point there was going to be a water pit in front of that oh yeah They'll, they'll put that obstacle right by on the other side of like the rolling mud and the dunk wall. It, probably yeah, either that or, or a, literally a mud pit that you got to walk to to get to it and go up into it. Yeah. I mean, I can almost guarantee that. It actually looks like a, a difficult obstacle to do when it's like maybe raining or like you said, after the walls get mm-hmm. muddy and you can't even put your feet on it. I mean, that could, that could be a difficult yep. obstacle. It does have the potential to be a very difficult obstacle. Here, it was dry. It was before any water obstacles, so it wasn't as difficult as it could potentially be. But I see it being a game changer at some point, like we said, if it goes before mud or after mud, excuse me. And, and like you said, you know, you could probably jump up and grab eight feet. So being eight feet with the rope hanging off of it, that's going to mean that you shouldn't, you won't be on that rope for a real long time before you can reach up and grab something, whether it's you get one hand on the deck and then you grab for that pole that you're talking about. But just think if that thing was like two or four feet higher, that would really be, like you said, a game changer. And who knows, they might, you know, right now it's just literally called the eight-foot box. Who knows, you could show up and it could be the 22-foot box. Yeah, I, would, I was actually surprised to see the uh, the crash pads up underneath it, really. Well, I, I see, the, see that because um, you throw your legs up over, now you're yeah. getting into the realm of why they told you not to kick the bell on the rope climb. You're yep. getting your neck between you and the ground. Yeah, because if you slipped, if you slipped your hands and you had one leg on that wall, you could potentially fall back on your head. Yeah, and I heard, I heard in the festival area of people doing that. So, so did they have like a burpee pit set up for that? I'm assuming, right? They didn't have a pit set up to, next to it, but people were burping out of it. Right. Hmm. And that was in the age groups and in the elite. You know, we we run the same age group while we were um, at eight o'clock, so we were catching up to some of the. Uh, the elite women or the this lagging behind elite men and they were burping out of it so oh wow hmm. but i guess a lot of open waivers were just burping out of it wow so what else was there then they had the helix which oh, yeah um, that's right i forgot about that, one. that that one's pretty cool um so 
it's like a combination Z-Wall, Olympus type deal, all made out of aluminum, square tube and round tube aluminum. Um, and then the plexiglass. And some of the plexiglass is on the front side where you can't grab onto the bars. Oh, wow. And then some are on the back side. So they have these openings, but the plexiglass is on the back side. So now your foothold's only the, I want to say it was two inch or inch and a half square tube that you can put your foot in. And then they had some of that on the bars too. So some, if you were to like slam your hand in there, you might, you know, anyways, um, that one initially is very simple. Um, a, a couple of the sections, uh, towards the bottom, I'm all, you're almost able just to walk right across it. Right. Um, and then if you have long enough legs, you can span the, the one that's angled behind you to catch the other ledge. That was what I was able to do the first day. The second day, I got onto a different one, and it was a little bit different. I mean, it's random placements of the plexiglass. So from one to another, it's not standard. Much oh. like Olympus, you can kind of almost count on the holes yeah. being in the same order. This one seemed to be a little bit more random. So you may catch one on day one where you're just like oh i know exactly how to do it and then day two you're like wait a minute there was a foothold there it's not there anymore yeah it's kind of like z wall no z walls alike <laughs> exactly no z walls alike just like each it seemed like each lane wasn't similar there hmm. that one can definitely in a wet weather condition take some people out because it is very slick yeah I mean, and it looks like an obstacle where you're not going to be able to just you know breeze through it really quickly so it, it, it looks like an obstacle you got to fumble through you know and find the right way you know there's probably going to be some situations where if i grab here where am i going to put my foot next you know yep you definitely got like like olympus most people their feet are either flat on the wall or on your toes or your heels you know your feet are going you only have to worry about your hands this one you got to worry about your feet and your hands similar to z-wall but at some point, you're going to be leaning backwards. Right. Because it's going to be going back and forth. Yep. So it is definitely a mentally one. So I, I think um, uh, Beater and Helix are here to stay. And, and in wet weather, those two can definitely be some game changers. The tubes need a little bit of help. And that eight-foot box, yeah, I mean, you might see it here and there. But it, it, it once again, it's kind of one of those ones that just kind of can slow you down. But if it gets wet, it can definitely change some stuff up. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they're going to bring over here to Jacksonville. I mean, it's a serious race, so I would think they most of the newer obstacles would be here. Uh, they'll probably have them all there. And then, oh, uh, Monkey Bars. Um, monkey Bars was just straight across. I've they never seen that down. at a Spartan race until Chino this past weekend. Yeah, it was just straight across. Now, granted, it was a little bit farther of a reach. Right. But it was just straight across. And I heard somebody saying they had another name for it, but they just they didn't put it out there, like low rise or something like that. Yeah. Completely hearsay, so don't take me on that. But yeah, they probably they changed it to chimpanzee bars. <laughs> well, on, <laughs> on the uh, yeah, baboon bars. Yeah. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> On the uh, on the map, it just said Mystery Monkey. So, hmm. but yeah, it was just straight across. I wonder if that's one of those things where you know they they claim they're gonna make certain obstacles 
like harder in a beast, easier in a sprint type thing where like a sprint rig will have all rings and then like the the super rig will have rings and a bar and then the mm-hmm. beast rig can have pretty much anything on it. It, it. it very well could be. I wonder if they got like a setup for, you know, the way they do the monkey bars. Because I know I've gotten on some monkey bars before and it'd be a, a long reach like you're talking about too. But I've never seen them like that. And it did look like they were spread pretty far apart. Yeah, yeah, they were. I just had a kind of a cool idea. I wonder if, like, um, you know how they did, like, monkey in the middle with the twister? If potentially maybe they'll have, like, monkey bars to twister to beater to monkey bars. Ooh, that, that, would be, that would be wild. That would be pretty crazy. Maybe they'll do that at West Virginia. I don't know. Because West if Virginia... If they do, you know, I said it first, so... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll have to come back and edit this section out, and we'll post it up. <laughs> Cody said it first. Because that was pretty neat the way they had, uh, it was, I think it was Monkey Twister Monkey is the way they had it set up in West Virginia. And that was the first time I ever had a mixed obstacle like that before. I know they had one at Tahoe, I think, mm-hmm. last year, or year before last, it was like that too. Yeah, yeah, that's where, I've, that's where I ran into it the first time. Yeah, which that was pretty cool too. Now, didn't I see, and I think I commented on it and somebody said, no, they've done this on the West Coast before, but it was like a platform right in front of the vertical cargo net too yeah vertical cargo 2.0 yeah they've had that before over here on the west coast they put the platform up there y'all get all the cool stuff <laughs> well you know west coast the best coast yeah whoa now <laughs> the east coast rap is better so yeah. just... i i just love it back east. <laughs> it was something new and different so. hey There's a lot of green yeah <laughs> um so, and virtually that's just like, what, a three, a four foot, five foot platform, you jump up on it and just do the vertical cargo net as normal? So, okay, so I'm, I'm actually holding, yeah, it's about a four foot, I would say, for the men, and it's a little lower for the females. Uh, um, that shouldn't be too bad. It, it's, it's deceiving, I'm telling you, it's pretty deceiving, actually. Uh, my trick is, if you can jump, and kind of do a little quick muscle up to get your waist above where you can bend onto the platform and throw a leg up. Yeah, well, yeah. And then, so how I do it, see if I can explain it right. I jump up. So my waist is above it where I can almost lay my chest on the platform and underneath I'm bringing my legs up to my, you know, kind of piking yeah. a little bit. And then I'll kick my legs back hard to kind of throw me up. And then at the same time, I'm reaching for the neck to pull myself up. Um, cause I've seen it and I've done it and I was very embarrassed when I did it, but you just run up to it thinking, Oh, it's just a platform. I'll pull myself up. Well, didn't get quite all the way up and the momentum of your feet went underneath. And then the next thing you know, you're flat on your back on the ground. Yeah. Rugged, rugged maniac, you know? And I mean, they're known for having more easier obstacles, but they actually had like a platform that was up kind of high and it was flat. There was nothing to grab onto. And you mm-hmm. had to jump up and get on that. And it was kind of wet and muddy that morning. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I was able to do it, but I could see where, yeah, this could cause problems for people. And I actually saw some people helping each other on it, too. Yeah, that deck is completely flat, and it's about, uh, about three foot, maybe. Yeah. Two and a half foot, three foot. Hmm. So, like I said, there's nothing to grab onto unless you can jump up. Unless you're taller, and you can actually jump fully up and grab onto the thing but that's my trick is i get my feet under there and then just kind of kick back a little bit 
Did they have the Irish tables at that race? Have you done those yet? No, I haven't done those. It's a pretty cool obstacle, but it's kind of like it's it's what you say. If if you jump up on it too too fast, your legs will kind of go up underneath the obstacle, and it'll make you fall on your back. I've I've seen people do that because they've got this a similar obstacle at uh, Bone Frog that's just like the Irish tables. They call it Viking tables, I think too. And I saw one dude. He ran up to it and jumped on it, and his legs went underneath the obstacle, and he lost his grip and fell on his back. <laughs> I see people do that hurdles a bunch too. Yeah. Hmm. So you ran it. You ran age group, and I'm curious. At the beginning of the race, was there anything different, like in the speech or whatever? Did they say anything different for 2019? Any changes or anything? Um, the big deal is to make sure that you're running in the age group of the age that you're going to be on December 31st of this year, not your current age. Right. So like for myself, it'll count for next year. I'll turn 35 next August, but when I start running next year, I'll still have to be running in the 35 to 39 age group. So it's for the people right on the cusp there, but... Um, they did say make sure you're, you're running in the group of the age that you will be at the end of the year, not your current age if you're on the cusp. Yep, that's, um, that's me. My birthday's in July, so I'm 39 all the way until July, but I have to run in 40 to 44 this year starting. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I got to run with that, the faster guys. Yeah, that, <laughs> and then I'm trying to remember – and then the same spiel about the headbands, make sure your number's visible, all that stuff. Some say that if they catch you without your headband on, you can get disqualified. What? That That's what I heard people saying. I don't know for sure. I mean, I I had it around my neck most of the time because I got my new fancy headband, and well, see, nobody that, said anything to me. See, now the only problem I have with this is, is when you go into the dunk wall, you know, if you go into the dunk wall fast... Sometimes it'll slide off the top of your head. I've lost two headbands like that. Yep. So most of the time after I start the race and I'm a mile into it, I'll usually pull it down around my neck. I mean, because if you have to do burpees, you got to pull it off your head and hand it to them anyway. I'm assuming exactly. they still wanted you to do that, correct? They did, and they made sure that you knew at least the last two digits of your number because it was windy that day. Right. And they've had an issue of headbands either blowing to the next person or even the volunteers you know they make mistakes if you uh, have a yeah. bunch of people they throw the wrong headband down in front of you now you go to the next obstacle you may not take a penalty but if somebody else has your headbands they take a penalty and you're forced on it yeah just make sure you know the number of your headband oh shit i didn't even think about that you know mm-hmm. i mean because i usually always write it on me somewhere anyway but, you know, if it's a real cold race, you know, the only place you got to wear it is your face if you're wearing, like, a thermal compression shirt. But I never thought about, like, if the correct if the burpee pit's, like, super busy and the volunteer comes and picks up two headbands at the same time and goes and puts them in front of the camera. And then yep. he brings them back to you and he swaps them. Exactly. Oh, man, so, that could be pretty bad. Pro tip out there to everybody, make sure you actually know your number. Yeah, well, I remember, you know, you when you run open class, you you kind of had to have memorize it in case you had that that wall challenge where you had to remember the number and everything. Yeah, the memory wall. Yeah. I had a buddy that just wore the same headband to every race, just, <laughs> just so because he had the number to it memorized, 
And it was mm-hmm. the same, you know, the same two numbers was the same phrase on every single banner, every single race. Every banner was the same. Oh, that's, so, that's good. so he just wore that same headband any time he thought there was going to be one of those challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've only had to do the memory wall like once, I believe, back when I was running open. And because then in the age group and competitive, you never had to do it. Yeah, that's right. And I know like three times I, I did it and nobody ever checked it. So you're sitting yeah. there saying it in your head the whole time and nobody ever checks it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that one time I did it, they didn't check it or maybe I did it a couple times that year and they only checked it once or something like that. But yeah, they, they never really checked it. So man, was there a lot of, ex- was there anything else that was different, you know, coming out of 2018 and 2019 about the venue, like. I mean, I know they had craft out there in full fashion with all the yeah. new craft gear and all. Yeah, they had the, uh, so the merchandise tent was much like if you were at Tahoe. Um, they had it under a big canopy tent enclosed area, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think um, they had that in Florida, too. They was already starting that. Yeah, from my understanding, I guess craft bottom those tents or something like that, I don't you know, you know all the hearsay that you hear out there. Yeah, they but, have uh, they have more food on site. I heard them say they were going to try to have more food trucks or whatever this year. You know, I didn't really pay attention too much because they're usually way overpriced anyway, in my I opinion. Agree. But I agree. They they had a pretty decent turnout there for food trucks and stuff. And then, um, yeah, bag check was free. That's included in your registration. Yeah. And they had us put our bags away ourselves and go and pick them up ourselves yeah we had to do that in uh i think it was spartanburg that we did that too and it was the first time we had to do that i I liked it and then i didn't like it at the same time i liked it because it's kind of faster i've sat there so many times freezing trying to tell the person it's a green bag with a bunch of patches and they're sitting there looking in the it's like right there it's right there and they're, they're looking in the wrong spot but then to get your bag the first day they told me i had to stand in the line behind all the people turning in their bags still mm. for the open because you know we're done that's I'm not like, good I need, I need my bag i need my bag so i kind of just weaseled my way up front and just, <laughs> excuse me excuse me excuse me and went in there and got it but yeah they and nobody to, seemed to mind yeah that's no bueno they need to at least have a line for picking up and dropping off yeah, either you come in the backside to get your get your bag after you pick it up, or front side and drop. I don't know. They'll figure it out. But that's that was my takeaways from it. It's yeah. faster, and you knew where it was at. But then again, you gotta wait in the line twice. I don't Man, I remember at New Jersey in twenty seventeen. It was I only run just the regular beast, and we hung out pretty much all day and. All, you know, they had all the rows of bag checked. You know, there were so many bags there. Like, one wall turned over and knocked mm-hmm. all of the rows of fencing of the bags over. And it was a freaking mess. And luckily, my bag was on the very end of one row. And it was underneath the fence, but you could still get to it pretty easily. And the volunteer said, we can't get any bags right now. I was like, dude, mine's right there. And he's like, yeah. okay. And so he gave it to me. Uh, but man, it was especially a if you're freezing. Yeah, oh, yeah. If you're freezing and wet. You want to get your bag and get out of there because you want to change. Oh, yeah. For real. For real. So but, I noticed they also had like a different finish line. It had like a timer on it and everything. 
Yeah, they had the Luminux or Luminox or however you pronounce it, timer that they had at Tahoe. Um, oh. That was pretty cool. You're kind of coming across and it shows, you know, eight something or whatever time you're crossing. So you get an idea of what you're finishing. I mean, most most people have the watch anyways, but right. it's kind of an idea. But it's still, Same. it's kind of cool to, you know, because when you come across the finish line, you know what your actual finish time was, you know what I mean? It, yes and no, because you don't know if you actually got started right on time. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's true, because you never start right on time. Yeah, it gives you an about, if that makes sense. An about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I finished about. <laughs> yeah, uh, about an hour, 15 minutes. I don't know, somewhere in there. <laughs> well, hey, Cody, man, we're getting close on an hour here, man, but I always have a few questions I'd like to ask everybody I have on the show, man. So... To date, to this point, like what has been like your best or your most favorite race you've ever ran and why? My most favorite is World's Toughest Motor 2017. And it's not that I finished very well or anything like that, but I really discovered myself and learned a lot about myself that I could actually do something like that. Um, to date, or up to that point, I had never ran more than, you know, a beast distance in my life. Wow. And then I did 50 miles in 24 hours. That's and awesome, man. Yeah, and it was cool. I, you know, Heather, Bodie, and I, we did it together. Uh, we were right next to each other the entire time, keeping each other company and stuff. But we, you know, learned what I could put my body through. And, you know, she says it just like I do. You know, we're good at suffering. Because we certainly suffered the entire, you know, middle of the night and everything, but we accomplished it. And that gave me the drive to do what I did last year of getting the 12 trifectas because it was a lot of lot of races, man. I did 14 race, 14 weekends wow. over the course of a 16-week period, and I was beat up and sore and everything, but oh, I, I did it. And Heck yeah. Yeah, that's why that race stands out the most. And hopefully, the idea right now is to return back to World's Toughest this year. So. I hear you. So, how did you? So, you went for fifty miles. How did you pace yourself? Like, did you kill the sprint lap and just kind of take it easy the rest of the time? What was your strategy going into your pacing to get to the fifty miles? Um. So, strategy wise, it was just keep moving. Don't stop. Just keep moving. Um. We did. We did go out and we did the first lap pretty quick. Um, and our goal was to run as quickly as we could without killing ourselves through the daylight hours. Right. Get as many miles before we had to put on the wetsuits. And then when the wetsuit came on, um, the course had some hills and stuff like that. So it was, you know, power hike as hard as you can up the hills and then bomb the downhills for the first few hours of the night. But mainly in the middle of the night, it just got to the point of just continue to move forward, continue to move forward. And we did well over 50 miles because we purposely took several penalties. Right. Just because our hands were so frozen um, and it got real windy and nothing like this past year. But yeah. it, it was still pretty miserable and cold. Man, I just don't and, know uh, if I'm, a, I'm I just don't know if I want to get into a wetsuit and just miserably get cold like that. <laughs> you know, it, it seems I don't so either. rough. I, <laughs> I, I even thought about that in the dunk wall this past weekend. Like, do I really want to get cold and wet again during a race? I don't like this. It's not cool. Mm. But to do it and then to come out on the other side because you're only gonna you're gonna suffer for. X, you know, X amount of time. 
And then yep. that'll go away and then you'll be back to normal. And then you either it'll a look back and be like, well, it wasn't why that didn't bad. I just do it? <laughs> or it wasn't that bad. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So my theory was, you know, why, why not just do it? And, um, so yeah, we just, we just kept moving. There was one point where we decided, you know, it's so cold. We're going to go in the pit. We're going to sit down. We're going to take 15 minutes and just chill out, you know, warm up a little bit. And yeah. I'm sitting there and we made a pact, you know, we're going to keep track of each other, make sure each other's okay. And I'm looking at her and she's looking off to the side and both of us kind of at the same time within no more than two minutes. It couldn't have been more than two minutes of sitting there. just like, we've got to move. We can't be here anymore. We got to go. And we got up. I mean, we had space blankets on. We had some hot water. We didn't even finish any of that. We're just, we just got to keep moving. Right. And then having that person there to bounce stuff. I mean, I was doing, I don't know what type of math. Like, okay, we're at this time of night. We did this pace at this time. We're this, this, you know, pacing ourselves. So if we do X number of laps in this many hours, blah, blah, blah. You know, just constantly just keeping each other talking and trying not to fall asleep on our feet and, and stuff like that. It was, it was make it up as you go because I signed up for it three weeks in advance, but oh, wow. we did it. I'm definitely going this year. Uh, we don't know if we're going to run or I might just go and pit and hang out and just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll probably decide when I I know, you know, how bad the weather's going to be because I I probably would have tapped out after 2018. I would have been like, okay, it's too cold. I can't do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't even want to think about what I would have done because I I wouldn't have been there. Those people were suffering. My hat's off to anybody that did that race. Yeah, I just know myself. It's like if I paid for it, I'm gonna get the most out of it. That's, I mean, I even eat the leftover of my kids' plates if we go to a restaurant because it's like it's not going to waste. I paid for it and I worked hard for my money. You sound like me, <laughs> and that, like every time we go to a restaurant, my girlfriend she'll be like, "You want the rest of this?" I was like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do? Throw it away? I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> yeah, it gives me a reason to eat it. more. And I love food. Yeah, there you go. So, and. So that and that's one thing that makes me, you know, and it's here in in Georgia, so I don't really have an excuse not to do it too. You would think since you know they're cutting out all the prize money, they would lower the entry fee, but they're not doing that. Yeah, I doubt they will. <laughs> but that's kind of what I was gonna say is I'm gonna check. I'm gonna wait to sign up to see kind of how this all shakes out. Right. Because it, it's a it's a trip for me. I yeah, did it yeah. two reasons mainly in 2017. One is well, three reasons. One is to say I did it. Two, because it was leaving Vegas, and it's literally 45 minutes from my house. Oh, wow. And three, you know, Heather was really stressed about it, and I was just like, screw it. Let's do it together. Yeah. You know? Well, the flights from Vegas to Atlanta, that's not too bad, I don't think, is it? No, it's actually... That's a pretty common flight. Yeah, I flew into there twice going back east this year, because it seems like that's the hub for the east coast. Yeah. I want to say when I've looked at flights, if flying out west is cheaper if you go to Lax or you go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Vegas is a southwest hub, so if you're coming yeah. to flying southwest, you're going to come into Vegas. You're, oh. It's like if you go across country, you're destined to either go into Vegas, Love Field, Denver, or Atlanta, or Midway. Those right. seem to be kind of like the main hubs. Cool. So, all right, man, so... You've told me what has been, like, your most favorite race. Tell me what's mm-hmm. been, like, your worst race or the worst you hated the most, the worst that the race that was the hardest, man, and tell me why. Oh, 
that's a good one. Um, I should have been prepared for this question. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> hardest one? Evidently. Oh, um, trying to think back. I've done too many of them. Probably You've Big Bear. Of, you know what? No, I take that back. I know exactly what it was. It was Tahoe of 2017. That was the long um, one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the 17-miler one, and I did it Saturday, and I was going back to do it again Sunday, right. and I DNF'd. I got to the top, and I don't know really what happened, but I walked myself off the course and down the mountain. Mentally, I was just broken. Um, yeah, now and... That's why I think World's Toughest was such a positive for me because I did that, DNF'd, and then um, came back to uh, six weeks later and then did World's Toughest, kind of had a chip on my shoulder. So you, but you, you finished the race on Saturday, but when you, tr- I did. you tried to do a double beast weekend and. Yep, 17 mile beast, double beast did. I originally had signed up for the ultra beast for Saturday, for sunday decided after doing the beast on saturday that that probably wasn't a good idea so i decided to sign up for a regular beast and then i got to the top of the mountain that soccer field area and i just remember reaching up for tyro and then being on my butt and having a volunteer ask me if they want to uh call medical and i said no and i just walked myself down the mountain originally um in my head, I was thinking, you know, I know where the time hacks are. I go down, get my five-time trifecta, just, <laughs> you know, milk it. And how many people have done that, you know, in open waves and over time? You know, I've seen them done it all the time, yada, yada, yada. And then when I got about down to the bottom of the hill, I just was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to sell myself short. I got too much integrity for that. And I just walked up. I walked a bag check, grabbed my phone. And I uh, called my wife and said, she was all surprised. Oh, you're done already? Holy cow, I missed you. I was like, yeah, I am done. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, she knew something was wrong. So I, I was pretty pretty bummed out about it, man. I gave her my timing chip and you know, just literally gave up. Just mentally broken. And, but that lit a fire underneath me. And That was a tough race. I remember watching it and seeing a lot of people's posts about it. And it, I think it was, wasn't it colder on Sunday too? Yeah, it was colder Sunday. Hmm. But I went back with Vengeance this last year and uh, had a perfect race on Sunday. Saturday, the twister got me. I was so frozen, but hmm. came back and had a clean race on, on Sunday this past year. Yeah, that looks like an epic venue. It's awesome. You gotta at least, if you're gonna come out to the West Coast, at least try and hit that race. You'll love it, man. It's mountain is she's a beast. So, I, have have you done most of the races on the West Coast side? I've done almost all the races on the West Coast at this point. Now, I think I'm missing Portland, Boise, and have you have you done the Montana Beast? I've done the Montana Beast twice, yes, sir. And so you say Tahoe's a better one to do than that one? You think? Tahoe, it's to me, it's like um, the reason why I went to Killington's to say I've been there. Right. Tahoe is kind of one of those, you know, bucket list races. Montana is absolutely beautiful. I love that course. I'm unfortunately not going to go this year. It looks just, pretty it, there. It is beautiful. It's just expensive to travel to, um, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful course. Well set up too. You got plenty of hills, 
and then scenery and flat and a little bit of flat up on top of the hill and stuff like that. It's, I loved it. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I got one last question for you. You know, you said you raced 14 weeks out of 16 weeks, man. What was your pre, post, and, like, race ritual and recovery, you know, through all those races? Like, how did you prepare and how did you recover? Um, in reality, I did so many races. It was, you know, preparing was just, you know, the races was preparation for the next race. And right. then the week between... You know, it's just recovery. You know, I do some stretching and stuff like that, but it was just constant state of recovery. Because each one of those weekends was a double weekend, except for when I did Big Bear, which was the ultra. Right. And so that was, you know, 30 miles. So it was just constantly in recovery. And I came out of that, yeah, physically looking in the best shape of my life, but physically feeling I was broken, mm. beaten up. Um, I have real no science to my preparation or recovery i mean i need to get a lot better ian hosted and i talked a little bit you know so i'm implementing some of those techniques but i need to get a lot better at my preparation and recovery cool and my training yeah me too my training's been kind of off yeah but it is what it is the season is upon us so i'll tow the line ready or not Oh, absolutely. That's what I did this weekend. I mean, I'm not ready. I mean, I'm not like making a career out of it. So I'm going out there to have fun in the most competitive way I can, you know? Yeah. So what if I'm still carrying some Thanksgiving weight? It doesn't matter. No. It'll see on the downhill. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I won't have to just hold on longer on the monkey bars. Yeah. Well, hey, Cody, man, I appreciate you taking time to talk to us, man. Is there anything you want to add, dude? Uh, just, I don't know. I'm always just a proponent of have fun, no matter if you're doing it competitively or if you're doing it for just to get out there and do it. Have fun and step into the unknown. I mean, that's what I did when I first started this journey. I stepped into the unknown, didn't know what I was doing, and I've met so many awesome people during this. I've come out of my shell so much. Obstacle course racing really changed my life, man, for the better. I love it. Yeah, mine too, man. And it's like you said, man, the community is what makes the race good, man. And yeah. I hope that, you know, this news with Tough Mudder doesn't change that about the community, you know. You know, cause, you know bad news is bad news. And, uh, you know, and, and Spartan gets it some too, man. And, and Spartan will do something that frustrates the hell out of me. And it's usually because they went up on the season pass. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this year it wasn't bad, but, you know, I didn't buy the elite pass. I bought the age group pass this year. So that was nice that that one, you know, it was it was affordable. So. Yeah, I'm fortunate that the union, uh, they sponsored me, so they bought my pass the last three years, but the travel still gets you. Heck yeah, man. You got it in good with your union then. Yeah, I'm making making moves. I got a lot of life things coming up that hopefully... Uh, Hopefully soon, I applied to be an instructor at the apprenticeship, so that's kind of a stepping in the unknown thing. Like I said, you just got to step in. What's the worst that can happen? They tell you no. Cool, man. I hope that pans out for you. Man, what's going to be your next yeah. race coming up? Uh, Arizona uh, next weekend. Oh, wow. Not this coming one, but the next one, so that would be the 9th of February. I'm doing mainly ones I can drive to. Uh, West Virginia is on the possible docket. Cool. Um, Hopefully, I'll see you there. Yeah, yeah. That's probably that's probably, that's the, probably the farthest west I'm going. So, 
<laughs> yeah, it's probably uh, the farthest east to clear across the country. But yeah. yeah, that's probably the only time I'll get back east is if I get to that, if I get down to that point. So we'll see. We'll see how, uh, how everything shakes out. Like I said, last year I had a pretty good work year. So this year is going to be a little bit shakier, but I'll get to all that I can. Cool, man. Well, I hope to see you at one of them, man. Hey, I appreciate you taking time to talk to us, man. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Take it easy, bro. You too. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Cody again for taking the time to talk to us. Hope to see him at West Virginia. Um, I got some iTunes reviews, and I'm going to read them right now. Uh, first one is from A underscore W27. It says, fun podcast, five stars. Always fun and entertaining. One of my favorites. Keep up the great work. The next one is from Kenny West. And then it's, oh, his, his name is Kenny B. West. And the title is Kenny West. Five stars. Always a great time listening to your podcast. You're quick on your feet and consistently funny. I never know what you are going to say. I've learned a lot by staying tuned in to each one of your episodes. Hope to meet you one day at the races. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank everyone so much. I enjoy, you know, getting feedback, whether if you send me a message on Messenger or say something, you know, uh, good about the podcast on Instagram or Facebook. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you for the reviews. And if anybody else posts a review, I will read it. Um, uh, thanks again. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and I will see you in Jacksonville if you're going to the Spartan race uh, at the end of February, and I'm also doing my first race of the year at Dawson Trails uh, this weekend coming up. Just a little half marathon trail race, hopefully to be fun. Anyway, we'll see you at the next race. Peace.